Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Beyond the Self podcast. I am Africa and it's another Sunday that I sit down to record this and I like the little rhythm that I now have with myself. Every Sunday I know that in the evening I'm going to be winding down and I'm going to be sitting around 9 or 10. Um, Right now it's quarter to 10. I know that I'll be sitting down around this time at my table in the same robe with the same tea set, (laughs) with the same setup, speaking to you through this microphone. And it's really, it's really exciting. I find it quite sweet, actually, how excited I, I get to just be in my rhythm. Um, and it's been a really nice day. It's been a really, really nice, calm, uneventful Sunday, which I always, always love. Um, had a little bit of a lion today, more of a lion than I've had in a little while, which was really nice. And I shared a little bit on my Instagram when I was doing a Q&A, which we're going, we're going to be diving into that. Um, I shared that this past week, my energy and my focus has just been on getting the first draft of my proposal done. That's that's what the main focus has been. I didn't really care about getting it perfect. I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be readable because I'm going to be sitting down with my agent, Ivan, who's fucking amazing. I think I've, I've said that so many times on this podcast. Him and I are going to be meeting in person in Soho on Tuesday. Um, and we're just going to go through it. We're going to go through it, see what we can take out, see what we can leave in. And I just love his honesty. I just love his honesty and I love how he views the world. And of course, because he's much older than I am, he, I just, I just trust him. You know, when you just trust someone and you know that they fully believe in your voice and your message and what you have to say, um, and they allow you to really bring out all of those parts of yourself. He's one of those people for me. And I, I feel so supported in this process. Um, So yeah, my focus for for the past week has just been to get this fucking thing down. I now have an outline of what I want the chapters to look like. And hey, who knows? It it might change in six months. It might change in a year. It might change in two years, however long it takes to actually get the book out into the world. But for now, I really like the journey that it's going to be on. I don't want to repeat um, some of the same things that are already being spoken about, I really want to approach this in a different way. I want to write the book. I mean, everyone fucking says what I'm about to say. I want to write the book that I would have needed at that time, but I really mean that. (laughs) I want to write a book that not only I needed a few years ago, especially, but a book that I can also come to because I I want to write something that is really practical, something that is readable, something that people will actually fucking finish because people don't tend to finish books much these days. Um, And I can also fall under that people. (laughs) And you know what? I don't think you have to, I don't think you you have to force yourself to commit to a book. You know what I mean? But um, I don't want to write something that is too long, but I also don't want it to be a pamphlet. So yeah, so many things that I'm toying with, but the most important thing for me is that there is a very clear journey of understanding the workings of self-censorship, 
um, the cost of self-censorship, what people can actually do about it and to move away from the culture war conversation, blah, 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 which I think for the most part tends to feed the very division that we're speaking about. So I just want to approach this in a very mindful yet direct way, which is my approach anyway. Um, so yeah, it's very exciting. Again, still in its very, very early infancy stages, but it's good for me to document this in some kind of way. And I have this podcast and I have you so I can, I can share these things. So yeah, that's something that has been happening this week. Um, Apart from that, what else? Um, slowly opening up my client books again, which is good because I, ju- I just love the people that I work with. Honestly, whether I'm working with a team or whether I'm working with an individual because I work in depth with people, it's a very intimate process, whether it's the two hour session, which is so much more than just those two hours, but whether it's that or whether we're working together for six months, I just love those deep relationships that I have um, with people and the kind of people that are attracted to me and my work. Um, they're very values-based connections, which I, uh, I'm just so grateful for it. So my books are slowly reopening again, um, for the first quarter of the year. That's really exciting. That's very, very exciting. Um, and in speaking of values, ah, let's, uh, let's pour some tea for this one. The tea that I'm drinking today, surprise, surprise, you know what I'm going to say? It's fucking beautiful. It's a, um, it's a white tea from my friend Sohan. Thank you so much for sending me this tea. So he saw me drinking, um, Mukoni tea, which is from my country, from Zimbabwe, from home. And he was like, oh my goodness, I would love to try that. And I was like, give me your address. I'm going to send you this tea. And he was like, "Uh, you know what? I will send you some tea as well because he has a tea room and a tea brand um, based in Texas. Please go West China Tea. You're always asking me where I get my tea from. And a lot of you I know are in the US. So if you are in Texas or you can get to Texas, go to West China Tea, the tea room get the full experience, tell them Africa sent you. Um, so he sent me this beautiful, beautiful white tea along with so many other teas and I'm having it right now. Perfect before bed type of tea, really fragrant, so smooth. Um, and it reminds me of something that I can't quite put my finger on. And I've had many white teas before, but they're always so different, even in the most subtle way. And this one is sort of smoky. It has a bit of a smoky undertone, which I really like. Um, but it's a beautiful tea. So I'm drinking that tea and I'm pouring it um, to celebrate the values episode that I did last week, which so many of you absolutely loved. And I knew, I knew that this one was going to be a big one because it allows for all of the other ones to not, not necessarily makes sense, but it just, it gives you clarity on so many of the other things that I speak about. Because when, if I was to just mention your values, your values, your values, it's all well and good, but it's, it's still quite vague. Um, and as I said in that episode and have said so many times for most people, they, it's very difficult to actually articulate what it is that they stand for or what their values are or to list them out. It's just things that we don't really think about. Um, and I think it's quite criminal actually that in school, you're not even taught about 
your values and the ethics that you will carry as an adult and, you know, to allow those things, those things to help you and to guide you in making the right decisions in connecting with people that, you know, are also being in integrity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ah, uh, it was a good one. It was a good one. And so many of you shared your photos, you shared, um, yourselves listening to it. You shared your lists with me. You sent me voice notes and I had a wonderful, wonderful message that I received from a couple that on their date night, they spent their date night, um, doing their values together based listening to the episode and doing their values together. And I thought that was just so, so beautiful. I'm going to have to fucking hunt for that DM because my DMs get lost. They get so lost so quickly. Um, I'm going to hunt for that DM so I can find it and, and respond because I found that so, so, so sweet. And, ah, it was a good one. It was a good one. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it and you got what you needed from it. And it's one you can come back to actually. So I would say that for pretty much all of these episodes that I've done so far and the ones that I will create, I do them with the intention that you will come back to them as a new person because you change over and over and over again. Some of your values might change. You know, if you're a single person like I am with no children, there are certain things that I value right now that maybe I won't value so much in the future. Um, maybe things that are not my core values, but other things that I will be like, you know what, my life looks a bit different now. Maybe I'll be married. Maybe I'll have children. Maybe I will live somewhere else. Maybe life situations, maybe health. So my, what I value in life will change. So I want you to remember that none of these things are rigid or set in stone or unmovable or anything like that. The most important thing is that you hold your core values close to you because those things like integrity, things like transparency, things like loyalty, things like humility, um, those really keep you grounded. And then you might have other things that you can sort of sway on a little bit. Um, so yeah, it really is one of those episodes that you can come back to at any point and just review or to just check to see if you're actually following through with what you said you wanted to embody on your desired values list. Um, so yeah, that made me so fucking happy to see just how many of you enjoyed that and got a lot from it because I, I know I did, I know I did. And I, I was the, I was the one fucking recording the thing. So I, I, I see, I see why, um, it landed where it needed to today. What we are going to be doing Just having a little sip. Oh, it's so good. So smoky and light. Mm. Um, today I'm going to be answering some questions. Okay. I don't yet know what the title of this episode is going to be, which is why I didn't say it in the beginning, but I think the questions that I'm going to be answering will sort of shape the rest of this episode. I wanted it to be more so of a stream of consciousness, but I think it is another one that you will get a lot out of because these are questions from people. Um, and I think you'll be able to either see yourself in them or to just see how people think. Ultimately, this is what, it, what it's about, right? How are people arriving to their conclusions? How are people arriving to even the questions that they decide to ask? Um, and how do I feel about some things that maybe I haven't spoken about before or you just haven't heard me talk about them? So some of the questions are, 
random. Um, but actually, I take that back. I, I don't. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not that random. But let's see. <laughs> let's see. I actually wanted to start with um, some of the questions that I already answered over on Instagram, just because I I asked. I asked you to put them forward maybe two days ago. So some of them have disappeared and there were some really good questions and some really good answers that came through. So I just wanted to repeat them because also just on a very practical level, when you post something on Instagram after 24 hours, it does disappear unless you put it as a highlight. And with Q and A's, I don't really like having them as a highlight because it's what I think in that moment in time. Um, and I don't, I don't, really think it's necessary for me to make a highlight of it, but there were some good questions, as I said, and also some useful answers from me. So I just wanted to repeat them again here and I can expand on a few more of them, add a little bit of nuance, add some context. Um, so I think that would be cool. So one of the first things that someone asked me was, do you still struggle to openly voice what you stand for? And my answer to that was not at all. It's a constant practice. And depending on the context, I might feel more resistance than other times, but ultimately I'm committed to standing firm in my values. So I always follow through. And that one, I think is really important again, because if you have been listening to this podcast, then by now you know my values or just in the way that I approach my work, in the way that I put my message out into the world, you're, you're able to get a sense of, um, what it is that I stand for as a person. you you get a sense of my character. You get a sense of my personality. You get a sense of what I like speaking out about and maybe what I don't speak about so much. Um, so the the most important part of this question for me was the do you still struggle, which is why I said not at all. I, I don't struggle to openly voice what I stand for. I really don't. I, I really don't, especially at this point in time in my life where this year I'm going to be entering the 30th season of my life. Um, I'm going to be turning fucking 30 is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I have to make it poetic. I have to make it poetic. Um, I'm entering the, <laughs> the 30th season of my life and I re I just don't have time for the bullshit. I don't have time for my own bullshit. I don't have time for other people's bullshit. I will always be compassionate and I will always be mindful as you have heard me say over and over and over again. Um, but I'm, I'm here for the discomfort. I'm here for the discomfort. So if I feel that resistance, if I feel like, oh, I want to shrink, I want to shut down, I want to just not say what I really think because my mind is starting to go to the extreme. It's going for the binary thinking. I'm starting to think that something bad will happen. Um, if my mind was to ever go to that point, I have enough tools at this point in time to sort of rein it in. And with that being said, there are things and situations that I might be in that I can't even imagine right now that might cause me for whatever reason to struggle to voice what it is that I truly believe. And I make room for that. I do make room for that. But as I sit here today, not, you know, thinking of the worst case scenario and thinking of the things that I have experienced in the past couple of years, especially, no, it's, it's not a struggle. It's not a struggle. And I'm, I'm happy to welcome the discomfort when it shows up. And 
Let's see. Another interesting question that um, oh, I I really enjoyed this question. <laughs> when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? And my answer was, I wanted to be in a band, singing lead and playing bass, which is true. And when I came to the UK when I was nine years old. I saw a Fleetwood Mac documentary on Sky Arts and I decided that I was going to be Stevie Nicks. You've probably heard me say this before. Um, my dream is to record an album with all the music that I've been writing since I was 10 and gift it to my children. Whether they like it or not, they're getting this fucking album. Future kids, if you're listening to this, listen, you you're you're gonna you're not only just gonna get the album, you're gonna get a cassette version, and you're gonna get a vinyl, and you're gonna get the metaverse version, whatever that's going to look like. So maybe that's a hologram of me performing all of the records, and your avatar will be pinned onto your chair, so you have to watch the full show. So basically, I'm gonna it's gonna be a mandate that that my that they hear the entire album and watch all the videos that are going to go along with it because I have a lot of music I have a lot of music that I've been writing since I was so so young and I remember all of it and I have some of the uh not journals I have some of the notebooks that I used to write the lyrics in and some of them, a lot of them actually are pretty fucking good. So I'm, I'm definitely going to record this, but yeah, when I was, when I was young, I wanted to be, I wanted to be in a band. Um, and I still like jamming with my friends now and again, cause I, I do have a lot of friends that are musicians, which is really cool. So I, we have fun, we create, I sing with my siblings quite a lot as well, especially my older sister, Jessie. She loves, she loves to sing. We harmonize all the time. Um, so it's fun. It's fun. I'm from quite a musical family in that sense, not professional musicians, but it's just a part. It's, it's also a cultural thing. Um, next question. And this one was really good. And so many of you loved this. The question was, do you ever compromise your values or opinions to not hurt a friend's feelings? And my answer was compromise my values. No but I do practice discernment and mindfulness. Plus I use my social filter when I speak to people, be it strangers or those close to me. This looks like asking questions such as, is this appropriate or inappropriate? What's the best way that I could express what I'm trying to say? It all boils down to communication. So I'm also mindful of my tone, delivery and body language. And you can do all of these things without going against your values or crossing your own boundaries or theirs. Difficult or even just slightly awkward conversations can be had on a foundation of respect and mindfulness. The main thing is to focus on what you can control and do not be over attached to the outcome. I'm going to repeat that last part. The main thing is to focus on what you can control. So the only things that you can control from your end are the words that you choose to express what you want to say, your tonality, which makes up for a 
big percentage of how we communicate, your delivery, which is also a part of that, and your body language, which is also a huge part of that, whether you're on FaceTime or whether you're actually in in, in real life with a person. So focus on what you can control. Don't make yourself responsible for whatever the response is going to be. Of course, you're going to be mindful because that's the whole point of um, what I refer to as mindful speech is that it's not about how uncomfortable the conversation is. It's not about, you know, the, what am I trying to say? It's not about how uncomfortable the conversation is or isn't. It's not about how the person is going to respond or what is going to happen to you, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, those are things that can be in the background of your mind. But the most important thing is to just simply take responsibility for what you are bringing to the dialogue and to make sure that it is rooted in respect, right? And to make sure that it's rooted in mindfulness. Focus on what you can control and do not be over attached to the outcome. I thought that was a really fucking brilliant, brilliant, brilliant question. Um, and another one that I thought was really good. Oh, this one I thought was so fucking sweet. So <laughs> this person said, you live on my road. I love you, but I'm always so shy to say hi. And I said, <laughs> how sweet please say hi next time and I love a good hug too listen guys if you're listening to this and you ever see me out and about somewhere um please do say hello please please do say hello I love meeting you even if I don't have time for a long chin wag which chin wag means a chat if I don't have time <laughs> if I don't have time for a long chat I do always have time for a hug if you're a hugger too of course I'm not going to force you into a hug um, but I just love connecting with you. I love actually seeing the people that, um, engage with me and my work and support me so, so, so much. I do love seeing you in person. So never feel as if you can't say hi. I'll, I'll always say hi back. Um, let's see what other questions that I received here before I go into my list of questions that I have not answered yet. And I wanted to save them specifically for this episode. And another question that came through on Instagram was, is there anything you don't like discussing? And I had to really sit with this and think about it and think, is there anything that I don't like discussing? Um, because my immediate response was like, no, I'll talk about anything. But I wanted to sit with that and to really check to see if that is true. So I, I actually sat with this one for a couple of hours, I think. Um, let me just sip some of this. Mm. Let's pour another one. Yeah, so I sat with this one for a little while and my answer was, honestly, I'll talk about literally anything when it comes to exploring ideas and thoughts. Something I don't like though and will not do is engage in conversations or associate myself with people who get pleasure from complaining and never putting forward a single solution. So this is a huge one for me. This is a huge one for me. I'm all for a, you know, uh, a compelling rant and something that could be indirectly useful being put forward with maybe uh, a solution not attached to it, something that could expand my mind. Um, 
I'm open to things like that. That's, that's for sure. But something that I will not do, something that I don't like, um, engaging with and just giving my time and energy is people that are just so keen on complaining, 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 and they sort of make it, um, their personality to just complain yet. They never seem to offer a solution. And I can think of this in the context of, um, some of the culture war conversations, the people that will call everything woke. Uh, no, no, that is not what I stand for. That is not what I stand for because those people very much exist. People that will just complain about how woke everything is. Sometimes that's not actually what's happening. Sometimes it is a genuine case of being people being inclusive in a way that makes sense. Sometimes it's because we need to be having certain types of conversations, not forcing people to have certain conversations or to behave in a specific way, but we should be aiming for progress where it's needed, although not everything that is labeled as progress is actually progress, you know, but that, but that's a nuance that we, we can talk about at another time. Um, or actually, if you go onto my second podcast unfiltered with Africa broke, I did an episode on, um, how I can't remember what the exact title was, uh, but progress, when progress is regressive or something along those lines. Um, so something that I don't like is people that just constantly complain about how everyone is work, how blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay. We, we get it. So what solutions are you bringing to the table? What do you recommend that people do now that you see that we are in this situation? You see that there's something that's happening on a mass level. What do you recommend? Is there anything that comes to mind? Do we need to change how we communicate? Do we need to hold more empathy for people that hold different opinions? What can you bring something useful and productive to the table? Because otherwise you're behaving in the exact same way as the people that you claim to oppose right? So I, I, I really don't like, that's why I'm mindful about the interviews that I do, the conversations that I have with people who I associate myself with, because I really, from day one, I want to approach these conversations in a way that is actually fucking useful. I, I couldn't give a shit whether you're left or right. I could, I promise you, I could not give a flying fuck. Okay. I just want to understand what is at the core of what we're seeing. What's the psychology behind all of this? The communication piece is not really being touched on in an effective, um, in a, in a, in a useful way where we can actually get tangible tools, right? So that's the gap that I want to fit. That's the place that I want to speak to. Um, so that's, that's just one example, but then you might also have people in your real life. I've had this as well, where you might have a close friend or just someone that, you know, or a colleague that is just so hell bent on complaining, 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 but they never seem to offer any kind of solution ever. Um, so that's, that's what I had for the question. Is there anything you don't like discussing? If we're talking about ideas and thoughts, I'll pretty much talk about anything. And I also know when to, when to shut up. I also know when my input is not useful. I also know when I don't know enough about the topic. Um, you know, I, for example, if we are talking about COVID, which I got a few questions, quite a few questions about COVID and where I stand on that, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to give my answer 
when I read out some of the questions that I wrote down, but there are just some things that I won't speak about because I simply don't know enough because my energy is being channeled in other places. I don't need to speak about everything. I can have my private thoughts. I can have my discussions with my with my partner, with my sisters, with my uh, clients, with other people outside of the public sphere. I don't need to have an opinion on every single fucking thing. Um, and it's not healthy to either. So there are some things that on a public forum, I don't really care to, to talk about them. They, I, I, I just don't care enough to talk about it. Um, then there are some things that I feel very, very strongly about. And those things, you will see me talk about them. Um, and there are some things that I can feel strongly about in private. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, okay. So those were the questions that I already answered on my Instagram. And then I had a list of other questions that I just wanted to answer here because I thought they would be really interesting. And yeah, I, I thought they would make for, um, an interesting chat. So the first question that I received was, are you attracted to women? Fantastic question. Very good question. Women are very, women are hot. I'm sorry. We are, come on women, (laughs) women are really fucking beautiful. We are something else truly. Um, and if you mean in a romantic sense, I am attracted to women, but I don't see myself being in a emotionally committed long-term relationship with a woman for that position, for that role, my default is men. Um, but I have had intimate relationships with women before to put it very simply, I have had sex with women before and I would, and I would, because I do find women very attractive. I find women very sensual. There's just something about women that really just draws me in from a very, very young age, actually. Um, but at the same time, when it comes to what my default is, when I think of my, even my most primal needs and me wanting to have children, six children specifically. (laughs) Um, and the kind of, again, the role that I see my long-term life partner playing and who they will be. It's a man. And I love men. Men are, men are gorgeous. I love men. So I like both. I like both men and women, but men, when it comes to something more long-term when it comes to me having a life partner. Um, you, you know, what's really interesting about that. I think I've spoken this in previous episodes, actually, I can't remember. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't, but you know, what's really interesting about that is that I still, and I was speaking about this with a guy that I, a guy that I'm seeing. Um, I don't know why I took a pause there. I was like, am I seeing this guy? A guy that I'm seeing, a guy that I'm seeing. <laughs> I was speaking to a guy that I'm seeing about this. And I was saying to him that I still would not wear the label bisexual. I just don't, not that I reject it. And I'm like, you know, I just don't see the need to wear that label or even the label straight. I just don't see the need to wear it. But I guess as a default for most of my life, I've always just identified, if you will, um, if I'm filling out a form or something like that always as straight, as heterosexual. Um, but bisexual is not 
a label that I would attach to myself. And maybe because I don't, I, for me personally, and I've spoken about labels before, it's just not something that I need. I, I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to. I will have sex with who I want to have sex with if they want to have sex with me. And I want to have children with a man. And yeah, that's that's just that's just how it is for me. But yes, to put it very simply, I am attracted to women because women women are beautiful. Um let's see. The next question that I had here was, and I'd like to know if anyone because I've spoken about that, the sexuality piece, I've spoken about it in a few lives that I've done before. And a few, a few, quite a lot of women actually who are very much in heterosexual relationships have been all of their lives said the same thing that they, they have had and prefer sexual intimacy with women. But when it comes to emotional intimacy and something more long-term, they, their preference is just men. Um, and I think there are so, so, so many women who are like that, who maybe identify as straight. Um, so I just find that interesting, but I think sexuality is not a rigid thing. I I don't think it's a rigid thing at all. And I don't think we have to hang on to labels either. You could just uh, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Um, so the next question that I received was, did you feel that you had to find your footing before comfortably sharing your views? I love this question because I can imagine it's one that many people have, even if it's just intuitively. Maybe you hear me read out this question and you're like, oh my goodness, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to know that actually. Um, yes, I definitely had to find my footing. And me finding my footing is not something that happened overnight. It, it, I would say that it actually started to happen before I even realized it was happening because at the end of 2019 is when I really had started to question just a lot of the ideas that I'd taken as a default, a lot of the beliefs, a lot of the things that were just being rattled off in, you know, in different social justice communities, but sort of seeping out into the mainstream. When I just started to question a lot of things internally, there was that cognitive dissonance, there was that discomfort, there was that rejection of information that would make me have to change my worldview. So there was a lot that was happening internally. But by the time 2020 came and I saw myself behaving in ways that didn't sit well with me, in ways that completely went against my values and my own boundaries, um, is when I started to be really intentional about sharing what my views actually were. And I really did have to find my footing. So I really appreciate that wording there because that's what it felt like. It felt like I was on very shaky ground. Um, so what finding my footing looked like for me was just listening to people that think differently to me, but also people that were affirming and validating these, these new views that I have. So I was listening to people that I had rejected in the past before. And I've mentioned this so many times, whether it was Joe Rogan, whether it was Jordan Peterson, whether it was just different thinkers, uh, professors, fiction writers, a lot of dystopian fiction is something that um, I started reading quite a lot as well, just to understand some of the the patterns that we're seeing today, but in a more creative way. Um, and I just started to speak to my friends, I, I, which is why I always advocate for starting in your personal life before you even think about sharing anything or co-signing anything publicly. You have to be strong within yourself first. Start with, even if it's just one person, you know, if it's just an internet friend that you can, you can start to speak to, just exchange ideas with. 
And then you build that muscle over time. Maybe you just share one small thing or you say one small thing and, you know, just meet yourself where you are. Don't force yourself to do or be anything that you're not quite prepared for, but also leave room for that stretchiness and that discomfort that has to happen. Right. Um, but yeah, I absolutely did have to find my footing and it, it wasn't an overnight thing. I would never want anyone to think that any of this was an overnight thing. And, you know, also I started sharing a lot of, um, a lot of my views generally about five years ago, when I started talking about the alcohol industry, when I started talking about self-sabotage, when I started talking about, um, the shame around sex and sexual pleasure. So there are a lot of things that I've already been speaking about over the past five to six years that, were really the foundation for that. Um, and me talking about some of the things that I did and experienced when I was still binge drinking and black and blacking out and trying to get sober. So, and again, you, you don't have to compare yourself to any of those things that I'm listing out, but I'm just illustrating the, the fact that none of this is overnight and your process doesn't have to be overnight either. It really is just that a process. Okay. Um, Let's see. The next question that I received was, do you think not choosing to get the vaccine is selfish? Of course not. Of course not. I don't think it's selfish at all. I didn't think it was selfish a year ago when, when the conversations around vaccines started happening. I think it was a year ago or maybe a little bit longer or maybe less. I I don't know. Maybe you know better than I do on that front. Um, no, I don't think it's selfish at all, especially now as more, research is being done and more data is coming out. And we're actually seeing that there are people that have been jabbed up to three times that are still getting it. Right. So, and there are people that are having adverse reactions to it, but there are also people that are receiving so many benefits from getting it because it's stopping them from dying. Right. So there are many, many different experiences that people are having, but to call someone selfish for choosing not to get the vaccination, I to me, that's ridiculous. To me, that's absolutely ridiculous, especially with the evidence and data that we have now. Um, and that's the short answer that I will give. The next question was also COVID-related. Are you pro or anti-COVID passport mandates? What do you think, based on what I just said? <laughs> I think... COVID passports are fucking useless. And I'm so glad that I'm in a country that is starting to realize that I'm in England and they just scrapped um, COVID passports. So yeah, again, the data, looking at this objectively, not your emotions and what you think and what you have experienced and what you have been through, because believe me, we have all experienced something in the past two years. You are not the only one in the world, right? We all have different stories. We all have different experiences. We all have anecdotes. We all know people who have so, 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 and so. But if we just look this very objectively, If you look at the data, not the data that supports what you already think, but if you actually look at everything and you start to look at how other countries are responding to it, you will realize that the passports are fucking useless. Because what's the point of you having a passport, but you have COVID at the same time? Yes, you could have had your jab three times or maybe even four or five, depending where you are in the world. Um, And again, that's a choice that you get to make. I'm not one of those people that thinks, oh, they're a sheep because they're getting it. I I think that's bullshit. People get to decide 
what they want to do and they how they want to approach it. You have no idea what underlying condition someone has. You have no idea what's happening for a woman on a reproductive level that makes them say, actually, I'm not going to get this right now because I don't have enough information because I've miscarried X times. And I know that there are so many period complications that are happening with people. So I just want to wait for a little bit longer. There's so many things that we don't know that I don't know. Um, so no, I don't think it's selfish. And I, I think passports are fucking useless. What are they actually for? No one seems to to know. Um, so there's my answer on that. What do you stand for politically? If you mean, am I left or right? I'm neither. Never have, never will be. I think, I think <laughs> as if the world we live in is that fucking simple that I can just say I'm left. And then that means, you know, everything about me, you know, everything that I stand for, you know, how, how I actually treat people, you know what I, it, it doesn't tell me, it doesn't tell me much. It really doesn't tell me much. And in the way that I was raised in the way that my family is, maybe us being immigrants also has something to do with it where we're not over attached to any political party here in England. Uh, or any political leaning. It's about what actually makes sense for the decision that needs to be made. Um, and the friends that I have, I I couldn't give a shit whether they're on the left or the right. Who are you as a person? Are you kind? Are you thoughtful? Um, do we align on a, on a values basis? You know, them telling me that they voted for Labour or voted for Conservatives really doesn't fucking tell me much. Because again, why, why do we only just have those two options? Why? And I will say this though, that generally speaking, a lot of my values and the things that I deem important, the things that I channel my energy into, the things that I support financially um, and in other tangible and intangible ways have just meant that I lean more left but then there are also things that are put forward by people that are on the right that I'm like huh actually yeah that makes sense so again for me it's it's very much a case by case I don't I honestly I (laughs) I'm not going to make my um I'm not going to make a political party or a political leaning a part of my identity not in this fucking lifetime it's not happening um let's see Next question was, how do you deal with people who don't believe that cancel culture exists? I would say at a, at a point in time when I really started to understand the effects of cancel culture and just how truly, truly disturbing it is, when I started to become aware of the suicide rates, the amount of people, especially young people that are self-harming because of something they've experienced online, um, or because a small business has been taken down by an online mob and started to really impact them in so many ways. The point where, to put it simply, when I started to realize that this was actually a suicide concern, my first reaction And I use that word very specifically. My first reaction when people would say shit like cancel culture doesn't exist or I'd just see people say that was just complete anger and frustration. Of course, I would never lash out onto those people because I 
I really don't don't like to participate in in anti antisocial behavior, but it's just things that I would feel internally, just so much rage and frustration. And in the past year and a half, just speaking to different people and you know, just exploring these concepts within my own work and just looking at language, etc. I realized that people define it very differently because when you can't even get clear on the definition of something, it will be impossible to have the conversation in an effective way. Impossible. So those people that say that it doesn't exist, it's because we are not, we're not defining it in the same way, which is why for me, And you would have heard me say this over and over and over again. And this is something that I'll be exploring in more detail in my book and in conversations that I want to have this year, which is why I have moved away from using that, that, uh, using that term, even though I will still use it now and again within context, I prefer to just call it collective sabotage, right? That's a term that I coined because I needed something to just make sense of what's truly happening, collective sabotage. Okay, so what falls under that? There's cult-like dynamics, there's antisocial behavior, there's cyberbullying, so many different things, but just that specific language allows me to maybe have a better conversation with someone that believes that cancel culture doesn't exist, with someone that maybe says things like, well, cancel culture was first created so that marginalized people could um, call out or call in those in power, etc. Yes, we can acknowledge that. And we can also acknowledge that it has been weaponized and it's being used in a completely different way now. And that way needs addressing. So I deal with how I deal with people who don't believe that cancel culture exists. I bring clarity to the language that we're using and I'm very clear about what it is that I'm trying to say. I do my best to not get defensive or to call them an idiot or to whatever, whatever, or to allow my frustrations to make me react and respond in a way that is not actually useful. Instead, I like to just keep it very simple And again, bring it back to language to say, okay, but how are you actually defining cancel culture? So I I always think that's a good starting point. Next question that I received was, how can I hold my beliefs in a world where I'm taught people will hate me for those beliefs? Very good question. And I'll try and keep this as simple as possible, right? You're holding some beliefs anyway. Whether you like it or not, you're, you're holding some beliefs. We all have a belief system. We all have a belief system. Whether those beliefs have been chosen consciously or unconsciously, and for the most part, they are unconscious because, you know, life. And we've been socialized in certain ways. We grow up in certain cultures. There are imprints on our identity and who we are and how we view the world. These are all very, very important things. Some beliefs are useful. Some and most of them, uh, a lot of the time, they're not useful. You have a responsibility. This is how I see it. You can take this or you can leave it. You have a responsibility to decide which beliefs you want to hold, which beliefs you want to stand in. And I would really, really highly recommend that you go and listen to my values episode. Do you know what you stand for? Which is the episode before this, episode 18. Please go and listen to that. And I have another episode on beliefs, which I believe is episode two. Please go and listen to that as well, because you do, if you want to navigate 
the world as an autonomous human being who has self-esteem, who is confident within themselves, even when the external world gets uncomfortable, even when people don't fucking understand, even when things get a bit complicated, you need to have a strong internal foundation. So how do you hold your beliefs in a world where you're taught people will hate you for those beliefs? You have to reframe that and say, okay, you've been, you've been taught this, but are you willing to unlearn it? You've been taught this, but are you willing to unlearn it? Are you willing to give yourself a chance? Are you willing to give your beliefs a chance? Are you willing to stand in something? These are questions that you have to ask yourself because here's the thing. If someone is really fucking committed to hating you, they will do it anyway. They're they're going to do it anyway. People will always find something wrong. And I don't want this to be a mindset that you carry, but I'm just putting this forward because it's... It's just something that we need to accept. You could try do everything perfectly. You could try present the right kind of beliefs and the right way of thinking. That is only going to make you so resentful because you know that you're not being truly honest with yourself. So you need to be willing to risk something. Again, in the previous episode, I talk a little bit about risk. Um, you need to be willing to risk that 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 comfort, you know. Right? If you've been taught people will hate you for those beliefs, well, start the process of unlearning that. And the only way to unlearn it is to decide what it is that you do actually stand for and what you're willing to take responsibility for, even if people fucking hate your guts. (laughs) Okay? Um, And then the last question that I received, the last question that I would answer... Last question that I will answer. Um, I've loved doing this so much. Thank you for all your questions. And you can always keep them coming, by the way, whether you send them through DM or send them via email. Hello at africabrook.com. I love them. I love them. And I can add them to future episodes. I can do um, an Instagram live on them. I'm going to be heading to YouTube as well very soon. So I can, I can, the questions are very, very useful and they're very honest. I really, really appreciate that. So the last question that I was asked was, are you this open and honest in your personal intimate relationships? 1000%. The Africa that you hear right here is the same Africa that you hear when I do videos is the same Africa when I have interviews, regardless of who the person is. It's the same me that I am when I'm at the coffee shop. It's the same me that I am when I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm this open and honest. And of course, everything is contextual, right? So with some people, there are things that I will speak about more or less or everything is contextual, but ultimately I am this open and I am this honest and I just approach things as they need to be approached. I always, always run everything through my self-awareness filter. And I just ask myself, what is appropriate? What is not appropriate? Because I think being open and honest are all well and good, but you don't want to be obnoxious. You don't want to be sort of um, self-righteous. You don't want to be demanding that other people present the same level of openness or the same level of, no, that's just self-righteousness. So I, I'm open and honest, but it's always in a way that is 
well, I always make sure that it's appropriate to to the situation. Um, but I am. I'm an open book. Honestly, I'm an open book. I will go anywhere in terms of exploring ideas and thoughts and just conversations. And I, at the same time, I also have my boundaries. There are some things that I just maybe will not speak about. Um, and, you know, I am a very private person in the sense that I just don't put everything out about my personal life out there. There are things that I will share, things that I'm comfortable with because maybe I've shared them before because maybe I don't think I I, I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, or I think it could be useful to kind of share it in case it helps someone else. Then there are things that I do hold as sacred. There are things that I just keep for me and the people around me and the people that that it concerns. Um, but yeah, in my personal and intimate relationships, I'm, I'm very, 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 very open, very open. Um, and I've always been, to be honest, which has meant that I've always attracted people who are also open, which is why another question that came in quite a lot was, did I lose any friends or, um, yeah, did I lose any friends or anything along those lines when I shared my open letter or started having the, the, conversations that I have which are uncomfortable for some people and I was like no the complete opposite I'm much uh, you know I've always been very close to the people in my life but now there are such added layers of richness because me getting sober five years ago just meant that there was no room for bullshit there's no room for bullshit because if if I can't even take it from myself anymore I'm not taking it from other people so my relationships have always been really solid because of that and I know that's not the case for everyone I know that a lot of people are terrified of loss uh, when it comes to relationships but this is why I always say meet yourself where you are and you need to be willing to risk something. And sometimes we call it loss, but actually you're gaining so much more and you're making room for people that will meet you where you are. You're making room for people that you won't have to perform for, you know, because the longer that you perform, the more that you get resentful. You can't avoid that. You can't avoid that cycle, even if you're the best fucking actor in the world. You cannot avoid the resentment that comes with being dishonest, okay? Um, So sometimes you do have to allow things to shed. You do have to allow things to fall. You know, seasons change. Seasons change. And we're no no different. And relationships are no different. Um, So I'm very grateful for the relationships that I have in my life. I'm very excited for you and the relationships that you will build and cultivate in your life from a baseline of just honesty, um, and openness and respect, which are all things you deserve, where, regardless of where the fuck you are on the political spectrum or sexual spectrum, whatever, okay, whatever. <laughs> all right, let me let me wrap it up. Let me wrap it up here because sometimes I can I can sort of feel like a rush that I'm gonna go off on one. Um, and then it will be another hour. So I will I will wrap it up here. But thank you so much for your questions. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you just for feeling that you're able to share these things with me. I truly appreciate it. You have you have no idea. You have no idea. And I can't wait to do some live in-person events just so I can meet some of you. And I can't wait to travel all over the US as well so I can meet some of you in person so we can just, yeah, so we can just exchange energy in real time and have these conversations in real time. And you can make friends and build connections with people. Um, So it's all going to happen. It's all going to happen. We'll make it happen. 
Um, so thank you. And if you're not already subscribed or following before you click off, before you click off this episode, subscribe and follow and please give it a rating because it allows me to visually see just how many people are resonating with this. It allows other people to know that this is a credible podcast by a credible person. Because <laughs> we all love those vanity metrics that allow us to know what is what. Um, so social proof is very important. So please do rate it and leave a comment um, as well if you like to on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, send me a DM if you have any thoughts. Send me an email if you have something that you would like me to speak about. Again, the email is hello at africabrook.com. Put beyond the self in the title or the, yeah, put beyond the self in the subject. Um, so I can, my eyes can just go to it right away. But thank you so, so much. Share this episode on your social media, screenshot it so I know that you're watching. Um, so I can say a little hello. And yeah, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Take care.